You're listening to this edition of 88.9 The Pulse WQSU Sports Podcast. And welcome back to another podcast. I'm Dylan. I'm joined by Seth. With the NFL over, the Super Bowl done, we're going to talk about other sports now. We're still going to talk about the NFL with the most recent acquisitions that were made over the past week or two. Then we're going to head into the MLB, and then we're going to wrap up today with the NBA. So to kick things off, uh, Kareem Hunt signed with the Cleveland Browns. What a move by Cleveland. They're taking a gamble here, and it really, really boosts their backfield. I mean, they got a backfield now with Kareem Hunt, Duke Johnson, and Nick Chubb. That's that's really, really deep backfield. So it's going to be very interesting to see. you got Baker Mayfield, still a quarterback. Jarvis Landry, what a savage team we're talking about right there. Yeah, the Browns are on their way up. They are finally able to have a team on the field that isn't laughable. Baker Mayfield showed this year as a rookie that I don't know if he's a real deal yet, but he has the potential to be. Nick Chubb was a monster in that backfield on their first and second down. And Duke Johnson's their catching back. So they really... And then they have Jarvis Landry, as you said. And David Njoku wasn't bad, their tight end. So they're really making moves to improve themselves. That last year with the Jarvis Landry trade, keeping the number one pick last year and taking Baker Mayfield, who I do think was the best quarterback in that draft class. So the Browns are making moves. Their defense is unbelievable. They've been able to have guys um, via the draft play really well. And uh, Jamie Collins, who came over from New England, he's also played really well. So their defense is loaded with studs, and their offense is loaded with studs. I don't know if they're a playoff team yet, but they're certainly on their way. But right now, the NFC North is a joke. The best team in the NFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, who have a running back, a quarterback, can't throw the ball to save his life. And they just traded away Joe Flacco. Not official until March 13th, the technical start of the new league year. But he's gone. So they basically said, Lamar Jackson is our number one choice. Unless Lamar Jackson can get an arm and can be accurate, the Baltimore Ravens may win 10 games, but they'll never make it out of the divisional round. They'll hardly make it out of the wildcard round. So, it'll be interesting to see what the NFC North is like. And coming out of Pittsburgh, Antonio Brown has said that he doesn't want to play there anymore. A lot of Pittsburgh fans are thinking that, oh, maybe they'll re-sign Le'Veon Bell now that they can afford him. Le'Veon will never play in Pittsburgh again. He's done there. So, who knows what's coming out of the NFC North. It used to be one of the strongest divisions. But maybe the Browns will be a playoff team without much competition. Yeah, I mean, the Browns are totally my pick to win the AFC North. Like you said, Lamar Jackson, a quarterback, I don't know how reliable. Is he really going to be able to play 16 games? I'm taking Baker Mayfield over Lamar Jackson every single day of the week. And if you look at it, the Browns were good last year. They have a great defense, and if Baker Mayfield starts those first two games of the season, maybe the Browns slip into the playoffs because maybe that's two wins for them right there. I think it is two wins for them. The only reason they lost those two games is because they're kicker. And Tyrod Taylor, he, in those first two games, he threw, I think, five interceptions. So, yes, a lot of that can be pinned on him, but the defense played well. They almost beat the Saints in New Orleans, and they lost because of their kicker. He missed an extra point and a field goal with about two minutes left in the game. So, you take out those plays, and, and in uh, against Pittsburgh in Week 1, where it was in the tie, you know, they... 
have a team that can win and you put a tie in the win column and you put a loss in the win column for the Browns if Baker started, maybe they still lose those games because it was his first two games of the year. But the kicker didn't allow them to win those games. He, I think, single-handedly lost them those games. Tyrod Taylor kept him in. The defense kept him in. Yes, Tyrod didn't have a great game, but when it comes down to a three-point game or a tie game, that's on your kicker because he missed two field goals in that game. He missed a potential game winner twice against Pittsburgh. So, as well as Baker played, Tyrod did play well in those first two games, and they have a viable backup if he ever got injured. But yeah, going back to Baltimore, Lamar Jackson is not a quarterback. He's a running back, and he's not big enough to be a running back. So I think you're right. I don't see him playing 16 games this year. He gets injured, and he's going to get injured way too easily. So... I, yeah, I, I agree. I could see the Browns coming out of the North. Yeah, and uh, I think John Dorsey's looking at it. He's looking at the Pittsburgh situation and saying, we have a chance to win right now. I mean, Pittsburgh's got a older Big Ben now, no AB and no Le'Veon Bell. Who does he have? Juju? How much is Juju going to do when he's the top number one wide receiver and he's getting all the coverage? He's getting all the attention from the defense. So I feel like a lot of Juju's production might have come from Antonio Brown getting so much attention, which would leave Juju open. So I think Cleveland's John Dorsey is really looking at a situation where we're ready to win and we're going to win now. And Kareem Hunt's young, so young. He's in what? This going to be his third year in the I think league. He's 24. Yeah. So they have a very young core on the defensive side of the ball, on the offensive side of the ball. So Cleveland's future is looking really bright, and I'm really rooting for them. The best move that Cleveland made this year was not a Kareem Hunt deal. It was not drafting uh, Baker Mayfield number one overall. It was getting rid of Hugh Jackson. Absolutely, and I think Freddie Kitchens is going to do a great job there. I think he is too. What was comical to me is that they kept a guy who had won one game on as coach how why it just doesn't make sense to me he won one game was he building camaraderie every coach can do that every coach can build a team and make them like each other unlike the pittsburgh steelers but they have a cheerleader at coach hugh jackson was one of the worst coaches ever regardless of his record he was bad in oakland too yeah he was awful so i don't know why they kept him around for so long he went one thirty-three and one. It's pretty brutal, but I'll tell you what, Cleveland, those fans and that that front office, they're expecting to make the playoffs. So if Freddie Kitchens doesn't get in the playoffs, he could be on the hot seat real quick. I, which is unfortunate, but you're right. They they want to make the playoffs after you know the longest hiatus and having twenty-five starting quarterbacks in the last ten years. But you know, I think the Browns have made the moves that they needed. They still have a good draft pick this year. I'm pretty sure it's top 10 or at least it's top 15. And they still have the, the deals that they made the last couple of years. So they're going to be loaded with young talent. They're a young team. And honestly, the sky's the limit for them. I, the AFC North is theirs to own. Yeah, I see I see a future big five with Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry, and I wouldn't sleep on Antonio Callaway. I think he has potential yeah. to be very, very good if he can stay out of trouble. But yep. staying in the AFC North, just yesterday a deal came out that Joe Flacco is being sent to the Denver Broncos, who was in much need for a quarterback. John Elway needs a quarterback out there in Denver. So I don't know if Joe Flacco is the right choice, but just to give up a fourth-round pick is what I'm hearing. Isn't that bad for a team that needs a quarterback? So 
I think he'll be an upgrade, but he won't be a big enough upgrade to get him to the playoffs. Yeah, but if you look at the records, or you look at the statistics of Case Keenum and Joe Flacco, Case Keenum was better than Joe Flacco last two years. Yes, Case Keenum had an interception problem this previous year, but Joe Flacco has never been a good, a great quarterback. He's been good. He's been average at best. He was excellent in those 2012 playoffs. That's this is it. the only time. He's always been an average quarterback, except the 2012 playoffs, like you just said, where they beat my Patriots. But, but ever since those 2012 playoffs, he's been a very below-average quarterback. He got his money from those playoffs, and since then, he's been statistically bottom five, bottom ten in the entire league. His last good game came against the Patriots in the 2014 playoffs, where he lost 35-31 when they, his team was leading by 14 twice. That was his last good game in the NFL. He hasn't had one good game since then. You'll get every statistic in every last game for the last four years. Joe Flacco has been, as you said, below average, and he's had terrible numbers. So, yeah, for a fourth-round pick, it's not bad. It gives you an experienced quarterback. But you had that in Case Keenum. You're paying $30 million this year. And now you bring on a contract for $20 more million. So, Joe Flacco's getting paid. So is Case Keenum. And... You have two mediocre quarterbacks at best. Neither of them are superstars. Neither of them will never be superstars. And you want one of them to take you to the playoffs? Okay, if that's your goal, potentially you can make the playoffs. But look who you're in a division with. The Chiefs, the Chargers. Yes, you're in the division with Oakland. But you have two really good teams. The best quarterback in the league right now in Patrick Mahomes. And... Potentially the best defense in the league in San Diego or in uh, L.A. Chargers. So I, I don't think bringing in Joe Flacco is going to push them over the edge. They might be able to secure that last wild card spot, but there are a ton of good teams in the AFC conference. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, both of these moves, I think the Kareem Hunt move is going to have a way more impact than the Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco might just be a one-year rental, but you're right. Case Keenum and Joe Flacco, how big of a gap is that? But I don't I don't know. I think they're really not too high on Case Keenum. They think they might have made a mistake signing him in the offseason. So maybe this is almost a last-ditch last ditch effort until they can maybe get a quarterback in next year's draft. Well, so far, John Elway has not proven to be good at drafting quarterbacks. So, you draft Paxton Lynch. Chad Kelly. Chad Kelly. What, so, Trevor Simeon? Right. So, he, he he has three quarterbacks that he's drafted in the last, what, four years? And none of them have been good. They've all been absolutely atrocious. So, I, he, he might get this one or two-year rental out of Keenum and Flacco. But then you... I don't trust John Elway to draft a good quarterback in the draft. He's not a great GM. The only time he's done well is when he's been able to sign guys, older veterans, who've made his team better. Peyton Manning signed with them because, yes, he wanted to be on the Broncos, and he made a lot of money. They signed DeMarcus Ware, who made a lot of money. And DeMarcus Ware pushed that defense over the edge. Keep Tlaib pushed that defense over the edge to make them possibly one of the best defenses to win a Super Bowl against uh, the Panthers. It was unbelievable what they did. But that's what happened. Von Miller, yes, the best, one of the best defensive players in the league, he needed help, and he got help. Peyton Manning helped that team. 
Yes, Brock Osweiler helped that year, but Peyton Manning got him there. He was their main guy. It wasn't Brock Osweiler, but he he John Elway needed to bring in guys for help, and I don't think people are really running to Denver right now. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. But switching over to the baseball world, I know it's been a while since baseball's been on, but it's slowly approaching. And it's it's getting here. And two of the biggest stars, and not only free agency, but two of the biggest stars in all of baseball have still yet to find a destination. And I think a problem is they're asking for way too much money. It sounds like one guy's trying to waiting for the other guy to sign before they want to sign. So they're trying to get more money than each other. And I'm hearing Phillies, Bryce Harper connections. And as a Phillies fan, that is not what we want. You do, In my opinion, I am not wanting to pay Bryce Harper, a guy who already turned down 10 years, $300 million from his home, from his home team, the Washington Nationals, who he's played for his whole career, and now he wants $400 million. He is not someone that I, I'd be willing to pay $400 million. If, in my eyes, I'm taking Manny Machado over Bryce Harper any day of the week. I agree with that. And there's only one player in this league who's worth $400 million. Mike Trout. And I think he's actually worth more than $400 million. I think he's worth $500 million. He's worth a lifetime contract for over a billion dollars, Mike Trout. He's by far, hands down, the best player in the MLB in the last, I'll go out on a limb, the last 30 years, Mike Trout is the best player in the MLB. And uh, that's definitely arguable. Young uh, A-Rod, young Derek Jeter, uh... There's, there's many arguments in, in that, but Mike Trout right now is the best player. He puts up the stats. He puts up the defensive stats. He's the best player in the MLB, and nobody should be getting more money than him ever. But going back to Machado and Harper, yes, the Phillies are a team that's linked. I've also been hearing the Giants are a team that's linked. The Padres but, are now coming into the mix, too. Right. A, a smaller market team who can get a big name and end up becoming a big market team. But what's going on in the MLB right now is these teams don't want to pay three, $400 million contracts. Look at Giancarlo Stanton. He signed a 10-year, $325 million deal. Yes, he hits home runs, and what else does he do? Nothing. And I think another perfect example is that is what Baltimore did with Chris, Chris Davis, Davis after he had that monster One 52 monster home year. run year or whatever it was. They paid him all this money, and now the Orioles are the laughing stock of the MLB. Right. If you look at what happened last year, J.D. Martinez, who sparked the Red Sox basically to the playoffs and almost to win the World Series, as well as Mookie Betts and a lot of other guys on that team, but they needed J.D. Martinez. He didn't sign until the middle of March last year. It's because the MLB teams aren't willing to pay these guys two hundred plus million dollars. Is JD Martinez worth more than the hundred twenty five million dollar deal he signed? In my opinion, yes, because he's an incredibly valuable player to any team he's on. And although Mookie Betts was the MVP last year, the uh, entire uh, AL, JD Martinez was the Red Sox MVP. They needed him. He was their spark. He allowed Mookie Betts to hit 350 last year. He allowed Mookie Betts to earn that MVP award. But J.D. Martinez was the real MVP of the Boston Red Sox. And he didn't sign until March 15th of last year. So it's the MLB teams don't want to be paying these guys so much money because of the luxury tax. And they're not willing to do it. So they're waiting out until the market dies down and these guys are going to end up accepting... $250 million deals instead of 350 or $400 million deals. 
Now we're talking like $250 million is a little bit of money. Don't get me wrong. That's a quarter of a billion dollars. That is a ton of money that you're shelling out to one guy. But is it worth it uh, to sign him for 250 instead of 300 or 350 Absolutely. So that's why these teams are waiting. And it's really hurting these small market teams like the Padres, like the Marlins. Even though the Marlins aren't really a small market team, they play in Miami, they're still a small market because nobody wants to play there. But all these small market teams are getting hurt because of the Yankees and Red Sox basically unwillingness and the Dodgers unwillingness to really pay these big players. The Yankees were rumored to be interested in Harper and Machado. And there are three teams in baseball that can afford anybody. The Dodgers, Yankees, and Red Sox. And none of them want to pay these guys $300 plus million. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a guy like Bryce Harper, it's hard to pay... <coughs> excuse me. It's hard to pay a guy that much money who strikes out as much as he does as well. How are you going to pay a guy $400 million? And he's also a guy that can go three weeks in a massive slump. So I, I think it's very difficult to pay a guy like Bryce Harper $400 million. I would love to see the Phillies go after a guy like Manny Machado. But if the Padres somehow came in, they, I feel like they came out of left field. And if they somehow come in and get one of these superstars, what a wild card that would be. That would be absolutely out of the blue for a guy like Bryce Harper or Manny Machado to go to San Diego and play for the Padres. Absolutely. Uh, it would be, and it would It'd be make great it, for baseball. It would, and it would make it intriguing in the NL West, where the Giants are improving. They're not great, but they're improving. Uh, the Colorado Rockies are a good team, and so are the Dodgers. Last year, the Dodgers and Rockies had to play a playoff to get into the playoffs. So, it's very intriguing right now in baseball, and I hope that they sign on a smaller market team because they will get paid, and it'll make baseball more exciting. Again, baseball is dominated by those top three teams in the Astros. The Yankees, Red Sox, Astros, and Dodgers are the dominant forces in baseball. The Red Sox have a $220 million payroll. The Yankees have a $215 million payroll. The Dodgers have a $220 million payroll. The Astros are going to be up there soon when they have to re-sign Cora and Springer and Bregman and Altuve. They're going to be up there. So... The domination in baseball is those four teams. Let a new guy in. Let's see the Padres dominate. Yeah, I would love to see it. And I'm just, again, I'm hoping the Phillies, I feel like the Phillies have made all the right moves this offseason. Just recently traded for JT Real Muto, all-star catcher. Signed Aaron Nola to an extension. They got Gene Segura. The Andrew McCutcheon deal is, eh. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. But... It's a guy who can play that, who's a good defender who can hit the ball. Right. You're not looking and for a veteran. A, right, and a veteran. You're and a guy who can help build and teach the young guys like Reese Hoskins and and uh, Abdul Herrera. So it was a really good off season so far by the Phillies. What will make this even better? I know you don't want Harper, but if they sign Harper or Machado, the Phillies, I think, are the team to beat. In the National League. You're absolutely right. I just hope it's Machado over Harper. That would be awesome. I, I would I, Honestly, I'd love to see either one of them on the Philadelphia Phillies. And, and they've said they're willing to pay whatever it takes, but apparently for these two guys, Machado and Harper, uh, a 10-year, $300 million deal isn't, isn't enough. enough. $300 million is not enough. 
yeah, it's crazy how much they won. It's absolutely ridiculous, in my eyes. But switching over to the NBA now, the NBA is about to approach the All Star weekend. It's coming up this weekend. But going back a week or two to the NBA trade deadline, there was some big deals going on. I mean, starting off with Kristaps Porzingis being dealt from the Knicks to the Dallas Mavericks, and I think for both teams involved, this is a great move. I mean, you got the Knicks now that open up two max slots to sign these big free agents that are coming out in 2019. And they get a Dennis Smith, who a year ago as a rookie had had some, but looked like he had a lot of potential. And then Luca came. Luca kind of came along and stole the spotlight. But then you got the Mavericks. If they get a Porzingis and he comes back just seventy five percent of what he was before, him and Luca, because Luca's going to be a superstar. By he's a superstar he's now. He's already a superstar. So with Luca and Porzingis out there in Dallas, I think they can make a little bit of noise. Maybe in two or three years when the West calms down a little bit. But the Knicks now have two max slots in this free agency, and I really think they're going to push hard to go after Kyrie. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I, I think a lot of teams are going to go after Kyrie hard. I think that um, if the Celtics make it uh, far deep into the playoffs and Kyrie likes what he's doing, he'll probably stay in Boston. Kevin Durant's out of Golden State. He wants to make money. He's done signing $30 million, two-year $30 million or uh, $60 million deals. He wants a Supermax. He wants $210 million. Who's going to offer that to him? The New York Knicks. So I think we're going to see Kevin Durant in a New York Knicks uniform next year with Zion Williamson, Kevin Knox, and Dennis Smith Jr., and that's a starting five right there. If your starting five is Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Zion Williamson, Dennis Smith, and Kevin Knox, I'm liking their chances heavily in the I'd East. even push them up to favorite in the and, East. And if they keep DeAndre Jordan around at center, too. That's yeah. a, that's another big piece that they can have. Yeah, I mean, I, it was a really good trade by the New York Knicks. Might not be graded well, but they opened up a lot of cap room. They don't care about winning right now. They're, they're willing to lose. And they're still in a big market. They're the worst they're still, record in the NBA. Right. They're they're okay with that, but I think it was a it was a great trade for Dallas. Porzingis and Luca and the All Euro team over there are going to be unbelievable together. Luca is a dominant point guard who is six ten, and Porzingis, who's seven two seven three, can shoot the ball from the opposing three point line. That's how good he is. So, I, the both teams really made out well, and it's a really exciting time in the NBA. So, and the trade deadline, although it might have been a little bit lackluster, there weren't as many big names like the Porzingis moves, it was fun to watch, and it just opens up the NBA for next year and for even the end of this year. So, uh, another big story coming out today is that the Pelicans just fired their GM. Right. So... One, Anthony Davis is out of there. He's gone. There's no doubt in my mind. He left the arena last night after he got hurt. He left the whole entire arena, and now they're saying it was just contusion in his shoulder. So it's a little bizarre that he left the whole entire arena. I think the way he's treated New Orleans is kind of kind of bizarre. I Right, I agree. The way that he's treated them is ridiculous. Because he's making $20 million this year, and you're... Yeah, they haven't really built a contender around him, but... Honestly, it doesn't matter. If you really consider yourself a top five player in the NBA, you're gonna make you're gonna convince people to come play with you. Look at what LeBron has done. LeBron, obviously the number one player in the league, he still had to convince Wade and Bosch to play with him in Miami. 
Bosch was looking at Houston. Wade was not looking to stay with Miami. He was looking to go to Chicago, who had Derrick Rose at the time. And LeBron said to them, nah, we're going to win a championship here. Let's all play together. And look what happened. They won two. They made it to four consecutive. Then LeBron goes back to Cleveland on a trash team, and he's convincing all these guys to play for him. That's what a superstar does. He gets guys to come play with him to make his team better. Anthony Davis has yet to do that and has yet to show that he's a true winner. He comes out and says he wears 23 because of Michael Jordan. Then wear it and be the best player in the league. LeBron wears it and he's the best player in the league. Right. Put your money where your mouth is. Right, and I, I think New Orleans actually made a mistake not accepting that Lakers deal. I mean, if you get a guy like Lonzo Ball, Kuzma, Ingram, all three of those guys. <clears throat> and first round picks. Right. I'm taking all. Th- I'm taking those three guys alone for an Anthony Davis who doesn't want to play there. Right. So at this point, he's just almost just wasted talent out there in New Orleans. A hundred percent. And if I'm New Orleans, like it's bizarre to me that they did not take that trade that the Lakers had to offer. The Lakers were willing to give them everything they had except for LeBron James. Well, I heard that it was a lot of speculation with that deal that the Lakers never actually offered that, and but the Pelicans were looking for that, but started these rumors to hurt morale in. Uh, L.A., which I'm very okay with because... And it's it looks like it's done just that. It has because there's only so much that a player like LeBron James can do. He, with with the supporting cast like the Lakers have, they're built for the future. They're not built for the present. Lonzo Ball needs probably another two years to, to completely mature. Kuzma's very good. He, he is a very, very good player already. Josh Hart's good, but... Without a supporting cast, the only thing LeBron can do is take you to the finals and lose 4 nothing, which is what happened in 07. But LeBron's not doing that with this team, especially in a loaded West. And even in an East that has the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, and the Raptors, who are all four very good teams. I would put the Pacers up there, but they lost all the deep that was That was just tragic yeah. to see, very unfortunate. But LeBron's in the West. They're not beating James Harden and the Rockets. There's no way they're beating the uh, Golden State Warriors. I don't even think they can beat the Denver Nuggets. Right, and that and that's actually the next point I was going to get into. The Lakers are sitting two and a half games, not out of not out of first, not out of fifth, out of, out of the playoffs. Right. So right now, the LeBron James and the Lakers are sitting at the All Star break, two and a half games out of eighth place to make the playoffs. So, do you think the Lakers will end up making the playoffs? Here's all I got to say before you make your point. Two words: LeBron James. Yeah, but they go in as the eight seed. And they and, gotta play Golden State. And who are they playing? Golden State. Swept. Right. Swept in a second, in a heartbeat. LeBron has been able to beat Golden State once. And it was because of Kyrie Irving. And, and without a and, player and a Draymond Green suspension. Right. And 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 a hurt Steph Curry. And it took him until game seven. But at, with that said, the Golden State Warriors have been the luckiest team in all of basketball. Think about last year, Chris Paul going hurt. They were going to lose that series. They would have lost that series had Chris Paul not tore right. his hamstring. And, and then two years ago, or three years ago, when they beat Cleveland for the first time in the playoffs, no Kevin Love, no Kyrie Irving in the NBA Finals. It's a LeBron James on the Cleveland Cavaliers team that has nobody. And even last year, they get sw- the Cavaliers get swept because J.R. Smith was in. Yeah, but that. Okay, on that one on play. that I can't on, say. On that, right. But on that one play that J.R. Smith made, had they won that game, 
They still would have lost four to one. I don't know. I don't know there, Seth. I I don't they know. I think the still would have lost changed. four to one. If you can go into Game One of the NBA Finals in Golden State and come out with a victory, that does a lot. You for your team. you you seriously think? In a LeBron James fifty point triple think, double, he lost in the NBA Finals. You final. still seriously think that LeBron James, with a terrible Kevin Love, he was awful last year, with a terrible Kevin Love. A George Hill at point guard and a Larry Nance at center with him and JR is going to beat the Golden State Warriors that had four all star starters on their team starting? Seth, I've learned two things in the sports world over my lifetime. One, never doubt LeBron James. Two, Never bet against Tom Brady. So I would have never doubted LeBron James. But getting back to the Lakers, <laughs> do, do you think the Lakers will make the playoffs? Because I think if they can make the playoffs and get into the 7 or 6 seed, they can beat a Nuggets or a Rockets or the Thunder. But if they get in and have to play the Warriors first round, they're done. I don't think they can beat any top 5 team in the West. Once again, Seth, LeBron James. I don't think they can beat any top 5 team in the West. They get in the playoffs, they... I'll give them two games in a playoff series max win. So you're saying you think the Denver Nuggets are for real? Oh yeah, Jokey, uh, uh, Nikola Jokic, a monster. Agree. If he wasn't Jamal pl- Murray's very good as Jamal well. Jamal Murray's very good. If Joe, if Nikola Jokic wasn't playing as well as he is, I would say that Joel Embiid is hands down the best center in the league. But Nikola Jokic is literally playing a point center position. He's averaging 7 assists, 12 rebounds, and 25 points. That's unheard of since Wilt Chamberlain. And it's going. I feel like it's going very under the radar, too. It is because it's the Nuggets. They're a small market team. Right, and the Nuggets just got Isaiah Thomas back from a long injury. Who knows what he'll produce, but it's still a name who's... Produced, produced just fine two years ago. So if he can just maybe put up 15 points a game, that's yeah. a huge plus to their back, to their backcourt. Yeah. So uh, it's it's really interesting out west right now because the Nuggets are a surprise top seed right now. They're two or three. Uh, the Thunder, who were a six seed last year, they're playing really well. Uh, Russell Westbrook. Paul George for MVP. He's been balling out. Why and not? Russ last night finally was hitting shots. I think he dropped 44 points even though they lost to the Pelicans. He had 44. He hasn't been making shots recently. And the triple doubles continue to add up. But why Why not Paul George for MVP? He had 47 the other night. His defense is unbelievable. There's only one player who has better one-on-one defense than Paul George. Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, true. And he's an MVP candidate. Right. And then you have LeBron, who's obviously a candidate. He was injured. If he wasn't injured, he's my favorite right now because I don't think if he gets injured, I don't think the Lakers are sitting at 10th in the West. I I, think they're closer to 4th or 5th. I think you're right. But But, that was going to be my next question is now we're at the All-Star break. Who is your pick to make the NBA Finals and who's your MVP pick? NBA Finals. Golden State out of the West. There's no doubt in my mind. Golden State. Out of the East, it's tough. I think the top four teams, well, minus the Pacers. It's up in the air right there. Exactly. Who's healthy come playoff time? Exactly. So that's what's going to matter. I think the Sixers made great moves at the trade deadline. Jimmy Butler was a great move earlier in the season. Tobias Harris was a great move. So the Sixers have potential. The Bucks have potential. The Raptors have potential. And the Celtics have potential. So I can't name a team out of the East right now. I really can't. Come Come back to me. Seth, give me something. 
We know I'm a Boston fan. I don't want to say Boston because I'm a Boston fan. I I think the uh, Eastern Conference Finals will come down to Boston versus uh, Milwaukee. And after that series last year that went seven games, I think that Milwaukee can reverse course and beat the Celtics in Game 7. And you're taking Golden State in the NBA Finals? Yes. And and who are you taking for MVP? The Milwaukee Bucks superstar, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He is unbelievable two-way player at 7 feet tall, playing a point guard position, and he's a sh- and he's a small forward. He's my MVP. I like that pick, and I'm going in the NBA Finals. I'm going, obviously, the Golden State Warriors. I don't know who's going to really challenge them out west. Maybe the Rockets, if Clint Capella can get back to healthy. No. But at the same time, it's hard to win when they go iso ball like that with James Harden so often. And the Thunder have actually looked really good. I think they can give the Golden State a run for their money. If Paul George keeps playing the way he's playing and Russ just keeps doing what he's doing, doesn't worry about – he needs to stop shooting the three ball he just and do needs to his feed job. Right. Paul George and Steven Adams right. down low. Because they got a good team there. So I think they can give Golden State a run. But ultimately I think the Warriors are coming out of the West. And then, like you said, the East is wide open. Can the Sixers get over that hump and beat the Celtics? I don't know. You got Milwaukee, who is the only team in the entire league, top five in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And like you said, they have the best player in the East in Giannis. So the East is wide open. I think it comes down to you got Toronto and Kawhi. I mean, it's actually it's very, very interesting what's going on in the East. But I'm going to take the Philadelphia 76ers, I think, between Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid and Jimmy Butler, but I really think the X factor come playoff time is going to be Tobias Harris and JJ Redick. Those two guys, if they can, if JJ Redick the other night went off for thirty-four points, I think he's the he's the most valuable player on the Sixers. He could be. over Embiid, over Simmons, and over Butler. JJ Redick is the most valuable player on the Sixers. I mean, a starting lineup of Ben Simmons at the point, JJ Redick, Tobias Harris, um, and Joel Embiid. And Jimmy Butler, that's the f- best five. S- that's up there with Golden State. That's the second best starting five in the whole entire league. I think eyes. you're right. It's a great starting five, and they have them for years to come. I think Jimmy Butler is going to resign. I think Tobias, I think Tobias is going to yeah. resign as well. Um, so it'll be very interesting come playoff time in the East. My problem with the Sixers is that bench. How deep can they get into that bench? Yes. So I mean, I think that could be come down to a big issue for them in the future as we get into the playoffs because it really comes down to bench and coaching a lot has to do with it. But I'm going to choose the Golden State Warriors versus the 76ers in the NBA Finals, and I'm going to take the Warriors in six games. And my league MVP, like you said, I'm going with the Greek freak in Milwaukee. It's time for him to get the recognition he deserves. He's been unreal. And like he said the other night in an interview, no one can guard him 1v1. Nobody. Nobody in the league can guard him. I absolutely agree, but that's all we have today on Dylan and Seth's podcast. Join in next week as we make another one. Thanks. You're listening to this edition of 88.9 The Pulse WQSU Sports Podcast.